Welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. So I landed my first big deal, and my commission check was $1,100 for a 19-year-old. $1,100 is like so much money, right? And uh, I grew up with the conviction of, of tithing, which I still have that. And so I, I thought, all right, well, I'm going to give 10% of this money. And so I'm, uh, this is, what is this, like 16 years ago, I'm sitting in church. And it was one of those times where God, God spoke to me, where it was uh, it's this still small voice. It's as easy to catch as it is to miss. And I felt like he said, well, do you trust me? I was literally thinking of what I could do with the money during church. None of you should be doing that right now. You're supposed to be paying attention to me. Uh, He said, do you trust me? And I said, yeah, I trust you. He said, well, I want you to give me, I want you to give me all the money. Now, you know, when God speaks to you sometimes in that little voice, that's kind of sounds like your conscience. I was like, you know, probably not God. You know, I don't think that was what God wanted to say. I'm going to just, that was probably the pizza from the night before. I'm just going to get rid of that whole thought process and probably not God. And so I, I uh, just sat on it for a little bit and then kind of the Holy Spirit conviction started coming on me. And I was like, man, I, this is God asking me to give him all this money, which was a, an incredible amount of money to me. And so I was young in the Lord. Don't do this. The more you mature in God, you, you don't do this. I said, okay, I'm going to give you this money, but I expect to see something in return. Um, that's not a smart thing to do as you grow in God. I, I, you may be in that, do whatever you want. In my experience, it's not the best place to be in your heart with God. So, But I was young, and he's gracious, and he loves me. And I said, well, here's the deal. I, 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 I'm expecting something in return if your word's true. And so at that time, my dad was working for a company where they had fleet vehicles. And so once the fleet vehicles got to a certain amount of mileage, they would the the company would do a blind auction. So say if we all worked for the company, we all had a car. Once it hits 160,000 miles, we just do a blind auction. If you win it, you can own the car. Does that make sense? Well, this company drove Crown Victorias, which is like the cop car in the 90s. The big bodies, total chick magnet. I was in college, just I had like four of them, like literally four of them. They'd break and. We'd get another one for like $300, and this whole process of Crown Vicks just kept going. Actually, me and Stacy's uh, first date, I was in a maroon Crown Vic, and uh, she married me still. But um, so that's what I was driving. No problem. You know, I'm totally good with it. Um, but my dream car was a Z71, specifically like a 94 extended cab Z71. Guys, you know what I'm talking about? No. No one's a Z71. All right, me and Rob, Z71 action. So randomly, about three weeks later, a 1994 blue extended cab four-wheel drive Z71 came up on this auction. It's probably worth about $7,000. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And so I blindly bid, my dad did, I did through him, $2,500. I was going to finance $2,500 from my car note, and I won the car. And I then started driving a 1994 Z71. 
But the point is, I was at a young age where God was teaching me my posture of generosity. Even when I put him on trial, like, well, I want to see something come in return. He met me at that place, and he began to teach me his nature in that place. So fast forward about 10 years later, as a lot of you know, Stacy and I moved to Seattle. In our, we lived in Seattle in our late 20s, and we were there when the economic downturn was happening, specifically in real estate. So houses were really, really cheap. So we got a really cool house and a really cool spot for pretty cheap. And we were living in it, and we flipped the house. And so we was a nonstop renovation kind of process as we were doing it. Well, from literally the moment we bought the house till we were going to move out, it swung so high, the economy began to climb drastically in the country, but specifically because of Amazon in Seattle, the headquarters of Amazon are in Seattle. It began to skyrocket. A guy, some, some guy who moved from Austin to Seattle actually bought our house. So it shot up. And this is uh, when we felt like we were supposed to move back to Baton Rouge. So we we're going to sell the house, move to Northern California for one year to be at Bethel, and then come, come down here. And we sold the house even after all of the penalties of selling it within two years and made a substantial amount of money, like an, like a house flipper's dream. I would have been thrilled with a fourth of what we made. It was just absolutely ridiculous. And since then, they've actually raised that house and added a basement and all this kind of stuff. Just incredible. I should have bought 50 of them. Uh and so Stacy and I, we had this, been doing ministry, and now we have this gigantic sum of money. And again, God began to till this thing in us of generosity and giving. And I, I'm not going to say that God told us or even asked us to give away any of the money, but Stacy and I just through some prayer, some time, and through some thinking with God, we decided that we should give it all away. And I'm not saying that to you to let you know what my left hand, know what my right hand is doing. I've prayed about it and felt like I could share that. But we, we thought we're, we're, we hope that in the near future, we're not going to have that amount of money. We're not going to be in this position to just give it all away. And the people who are close to me who I told this to, they wanted to slap me and tell me that's the worst idea in the history of the world. So we decided to trust God and to live with dependency so we gave it all away. And we gave it to different nonprofits. We gave it to different people for different random things. And it put us back into a position to where if I was life coaching someone, I would say, do not give all that money away. Um, but we did it. And my wife is really, really serious about generosity. And so she, so we did that. Now, let me fast forward. Now, I, I didn't say to God during this time, like, well, I expect something back from you. Because the truth is, is he's done so much for me. I could give him all my money for the rest of my life. It doesn't equate to, he doesn't owe me anything. Like I'm breathing his borrowed air. Don't need that. But moving back to Baton Rouge, I did in my quiet time talking to God like, hey, Stacy, we feel like we're being obedient. We feel like you've put things on our heart. We're going to move back to Baton Rouge. We, we really want a home, really want to build a house. That's what we would have done with that money. So if any of you have ever built a house or been around it, it's very uh, capital cash um, extensive. It takes a lot of money uh, and reserves to make this whole process happen. Well, long story short, we had an opportunity to build a house. 
and we started down this process. It, it got so tight throughout this journey that about nine months left in the process, Stacy just said to me, I can't think about this anymore. I'm just going to trust you with our finances. All right, now, as the husband and provider, I'm like, yeah, no problem. Totally get it. And behind the scenes, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, we're going to foreclose. This is not going to work. They're literally going to stop in the middle of the process and say, you can't build any more of your house. I mean, literally, it was just, it got down to being so tight. But we felt like God was just saying, just trust me, just trust me, just trust me. All right. I'm not saying live your life like this. Some people are like, yeah, I didn't budget and it all worked out. I'm like, no, that's a lack of stewardship. Don't, that's not what God told you to do. That's not what I'm saying. I, I think you should manage your finances tight. Um, it came down to it. And I just honestly kind of turned a blind eye spiritually to the numbers and trusted God. Like, this is going to work. Again, I'm not saying do that. I'm just telling you where we were. And needless to say, it worked. It, it worked to a point where we don't even have PMI, if you know what that is. And it was a, I'm just telling between you and me, absolute miracle. We still don't know, and I'm not asking any questions. I was like, okay, it's all done. We're here. The mortgage is in our name. We're moving on. Everything worked out fine. But I'm just being 100% honest, honest with you. Now, what we felt from that was God responding to us in our posture of generosity from our home in Seattle. Can I get an amen? Um, God does it with big things, and God does that with small things. How many of you love District Donuts? Is there a better place in Baton Rouge than District Donuts? District is amazing. We do these, uh, I do these, I have four daughters I think I know everybody in the room, but I have four daughters, and we do this thing called daddy dates because what I'm doing is training them for what their husband should do with them because I'm grooming these four perfect angels, and I'm not going to let some idiot screw it all up. Can I get an amen? Watch your sons. Don't let them around my house, okay? I joke with the crochets. They have three boys. I'm like, you're never coming to my house ever. Um. So I do these daddy dates. Now, we used to do these daddy dates where I'd, I'd drive them all the way to New Orleans, Magazine Street, for uh, this donut, District Donuts. Big deal, right? Baton Rouge gets one, which I'm so thankful for. So now daddy dates, we, we, we do like ice cream or treats or something like that, but, but, but a donut is pretty much the epic thing that they want. So, as most of you know, so you walk into District Donuts, typically there's a line, like, throughout the whole thing. We're going to pray that it doubles in size for them. And um, there's a glass case that has all the donuts, right? My children just bypass that line and run as fast as they can to the big front glass case, like God's shining down on it. They're just pointing and screaming at it. And I'm like, oh, we got to wait our turn. I have to wait our turn. They're just so excited, like the sugar and carb overload, right? So they have, you know, the $1.50 donuts, which is just like a glazed donut. Then you have the $3.50 donut, which is like 4,500 calories and a billion grams of sugar, like, piled on top of each other with, like, bacon and maple and stuff loaded, right? $3.50 for that. So we, we go, it's about two months ago. 
go go in. I get a, uh, I like, they have bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. They have got some good stuff there. You guys should check out District Donuts. Um, I'm realizing as I get older, too, I can't recover as fast as I used to. From my, from, If I gain weight, I can't lose it quick. So I have to stop going to district. But um, so we're there. So everyone gets what they want. I get a bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit. Annabelle gets the, the monstrosity donut, right? And when you're there, you can't, you got to let them go all the way. There's no point of going, no, we're going to get the 250 donut, right? You, you're all in. So we get it, close the till out, go get our seats. And then the worker says, hey, I'm really sorry. The one that she ordered, we're out of that. Um, can, can we replace it with another one? So Annabelle actually goes to the front. She chose to get the glaze one. Okay, well, the first one she chose was 350 The The glaze is only $1.50. And she said, yeah, that's no problem. We'll just, we'll just trade it out. Now, if we can just be human for a second, I'm thinking, well, that's $2 more. We should probably reopen my ticket, and I should probably get my $2. Can be honest? Just, just be thinking like that, right? Yeah, or more donuts. And so I felt this, this thing in my heart that had a little bit of like, ooh, I don't like how that feels. And I thought, I'm just going to gift District Donuts $2. I'm just going to let this ride. I'm going to let my heart be generous. And about five minutes later, the guy comes out and he goes, hey, I, I thought she said two bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. I actually made you, I, I made two of them for you and your girls, and they were so excited to get more egg. And the point is, it sounds so small, but a posture of generosity of like, man, just it's, it's $2 to District Donuts. They can have it. God and the small things giving me something in return. And this trickles down into me and Stacy's life in a, in a lot of extreme ways. We um, were on the phone like two weeks ago. So I do all the budgeting now for uh, family. And Stacy's really big on tithing. I, I am too. The, the Bible's big on tithing, so, so we are. And then she's like, just no, no matter what, make sure we're giving always more than 10%. And I said, yeah, we're definitely giving more than 10%. And she says, well, well, I want to get our finances to a place where we're giving 20%. All right. So the, the male side of me is like, woman, I'm trying my best. It's not possible right now. I can't, that's not going to happen, you know, but now in all seriousness, God has caught our eye. Something has shifted in us where we know that living a generous lifestyle always attracts God. Living a generous lifestyle seems to pull on heaven's resources. Now, if you go back to this verse, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Now, that makes no sense, right? That, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm going to give something, yet I'm going to get resources in return. But in his kingdom, that's how things work. For example, he says, the head will be the tail, if you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to be king, you need to be a servant. That's just how he thinks. He works in upside-down ways. So obviously, to think to hoard something is the natural framework. But the truth is, is when you give, he then can give it freely. It says, one who withholds what he should give only suffers and want. Now, why does this matter, and why would God care that we learn how to live a generous lifestyle? Because that's what he's like. He is a generous father, and he's leading us, and we're in this kingdom. He can't help himself but to be generous. 
for God so loved the world, he gave something. Like, I love you so much, I'm just going to give. And he gave his most prized possession to us. The Bible has extreme things to say about his generosity. David said this, he withholds no good thing from those who are blameless. Like, if you can think it, he won't withhold it from you. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from him. Jesus said the most outlandish statement. He said, if you ask anything in my name, I'll give it to you. Anything in my name, I'll give it to you. We, we have this father whose entire ecosystem, his entire economy is built on generosity. And because he's that way, we're learning his nature as a father and learning how to be generous as he's generous. Here's the thing. Here's the most distilled way I could say it. Let's say you have $100 in your bank account. That's all you got. And tomorrow you have a $200 car note bill coming in. So I've got 100 need another 100 tomorrow. You with me? And God says, hey, I want you to give that $100 away. Okay, now why would he do that? The moment that you give like that, you are immediately letting God know where your trust is. The Bible says where your treasure this treasure is, that's where your heart will be. When I put myself in a when I give myself into a place of dependency with God, it attracts him. Jesus modeled a lifestyle where he was dependent on the Father and led by the Holy Spirit. Dependency puts us in a posture of trust for God. So I, I'm choosing to go without because I trust you. Are you with me? There's something about when you start giving things away. It doesn't have to be just money. I'm just using money as an example because it's numerical. When you start giving things away, what happens is a confidence and God begins to rise up within you. When you, it's, this is what it is. I have sowed seed, and because I've sowed seed, God's not a liar. It will come back to me. I'm confident because he's not a liar, and he'll do what he said he would do. How many of you know about Proverbs 31? About the, the, it's a fantastic chapter on the characteristics of a godly woman, and everyone should read it. Guys, I actually suggest that you read it. It's absolutely amazing. One of the things that it says in there is that she, um, a Proverbs 31 woman, looks at the future and what's to come and laughs. That's confidence in God. I see what's coming in the future and I laugh because my confidence is in him. When we were early on doing ministry and early on in our marriage, I remember we would get bills that would um, come in, and I remember Stacy sometimes would just laugh like the devil's really tipped his hand here. Like, I know that things are going to work out. I can laugh at what's to come because I have sowed seed of generosity, and God's not a liar, and he's going to, he will do what he said he would do. Amen? Okay. I'm not trying to get you to just go give a bunch of money away. But what, what, I, what I want you to see is the nature of God. And when you begin to see his nature, it drives you into the quiet place. When I am not generous, I know that I'm not spending enough time in the quiet place. It's impossible to hang around God and not have generosity come out of you. You can look at it like this. The further you go in God, the less you can take with you. When I'm in a, like a worship moment with God, 
like alone or in corporate worship and I can really feel God, my response is always, God, I don't even have an opinion. I don't have a want. You can have it all. You want to know what I'm talking about? You're just like, look, I just give in. Like, you can take everything you want. Like, the, the, the further you go in him, the less you can take with you. I heard a um, spontaneous worship set a couple weeks ago, and one of the girls, she said, because when I see your face, I'd wish I'd given more away. And it, think about that. When I'm close to him, I don't want to hoard my things. My response is always, okay, I'll give it away. Like when you're close to God, you're just like, I'm going to be generous because he's generous. We talked about um, uh, Zacchaeus in the tree um, a couple weeks ago. It's an incredible story of Zacchaeus. Jesus is walking through and sees Zacchaeus in the tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner with you tonight. This face-to-face encounter with God and Zacchaeus, the response of Zacchaeus was to give away half his possessions. Something about being around Jesus makes you want to just give away your money, give away your time, give away your resources. Everything God made gives, and we have a choice to give back. Can you feel when you're, when you're feeling stingy, your soul feels tight? Want to know what I'm talking about? Heaven flows through. He's a river. He wants to flow through us and all that we do. Um, so I just said all of that out of what we, how we are supposed to be giving. But I want to talk to you about just for a second on receiving as well. In order to give a good gift, someone has to receive a gift. I'm going to read this verse for you. This is going to blow your mind. You ready? Absolutely blow your mind. This is uh, Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. I'm going to read this out of the ESV, and then I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. How many of you like the Passion Translation? Pretty cool, huh? Okay, this is actually a really well-known verse. So it says, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Let me read that in, uh, in the Passion Translation. Is your enemy hungry? Buy him lunch. Win him over with your kindness. And here it is. Your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Generosity will awaken someone's conscience of God. Think about that. We, we have opportunity with our generosity for someone to something to click in someone and they see God differently. God has put people in my life that have done some outrageously generous things for me. And every single time I feel closer to God. When someone does a kind act of generosity, it's supposed to awaken our conscience of what God's like. The nature of God revealed by us being generous to someone else. This isn't a law. This isn't a rule. This is a privilege to be able to show people what our Father's like. Everyone in the world's stingy. Everyone's coming from a place of poverty and trying to get something. But for us as believers to be overly generous, it'll awaken their conscience. I mean, my kids are... I don't have to teach them how to be selfish. But I do have to train them how to give. They have no problem with learning mine. Me, mine, I don't. But they have a really hard time giving. And most of us grow up and we stay in that place of this need. I'm going to keep it for myself. I'm going to hoard things. But working in the opposite spirit, being generous, 
and all that we do is what God is asking of us. Can I get an amen? Um, the most fantastic form of generosity that we've ever seen is in our Father when he gave Jesus and when Jesus died on the cross for us. That's a gift from God. God was overly generous with his resources. He gave us to a point where his son died for us on the cross. How, how generous of our Father to give up everything for you and I. Life is a giant gift that comes from God. Everything he does comes from a place of generosity. And it sounds funny, but the Christian life is actually learning how to receive well from God. We still fight him on receiving things. And God's just like, man, just give in to my overwhelming, reckless, offensive, ridiculous love that you, you, if you fight it, you'll miss it. Just, just give in. Just surrender to how generous he is as a father. Amen? So what I'd like to do is do communion. We're going to pass these buckets around. You can stay in your seat. The Bible says to do this often, um, which is to take communion. So that's what we're going to do. These buckets are going to be passed around. And um, we're just going to take a couple minutes. And the kind of the, the framework that I'd like to go through with this communion is, is thanking him for being so generous. The Father sent Jesus, so, so kind of him. And Jesus, because of you and I, followed through with the plan. And we're just going to thank him for it. That that work for everybody? So good. We're going to... Um, it's working its way back there. Does everyone have the elements? Sound booth, they got it too. Everyone's included. Awesome. Awesome. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to take the bread first. And I'm just, I'm going to give a, a prayer, but it just, you can also just thank him in your own words. So, Father, we thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for being so generous to us and always giving good, good gifts. You're an incredible gift giver. I just thank you that you don't hoard things, that you're not scared of lack, you're not scared to lose something. None of your thought processes is based in lack. You just think in abundance. And we just love you for that. So just thank you so much for sending Jesus and Jesus, we love you so much. Thank you for the reward set before you. You endured the cross, the reward of your bride. We just acknowledge you and thank you so much for following through with the cross. So we just partake this body. We partake your body right now in Jesus' name.
It's awesome. One of the things that he says about his body being broken is that um, it, it's the it paid for our sickness, it paid for our diseases. So God, I just we just agree with that scripture and stand on that promise. Anyone struggling with any ailments, any afflictions, God, we just pray that you would touch our bodies in Jesus' name. Okay. We're going to partake of the blood now. Yeah, Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for paying for our sin. Thank you for your blood that brought us back into right relationship with the Father. Jesus, you did an amazing job. You did so good. You're our champion. You're our hero. We just celebrate what you did that day. Thank you for enduring that for us. So, God, we just come to you again as we drink your blood and say we repent for our sinful nature. We repent for our carnal nature. We repent for not having a renewed mind. You've made so much available, God. So we just come back to you with a fresh heart, with a clean heart. We just love you so much. Thank you for being so generous to us, God. Just spend like two minutes. Uh, we're just, in your own words, just thanking him for his generosity towards you. Awesome. I'm just going to close with this. Um, I just encourage you, if you've never met God in the quiet place on this topic of generosity, just try it. Not, not in a disrespectful way, but an engaging, childlike way. See, see what he'll challenge. Play a game with him. Get some money, get some resources, something, and give it away. Give it away. You, you do what God tells you to do. I'm just encouraging you. Give something away that costs you something and, and just feel how your soul feels. Abraham said, I'm not going to give anything 
that doesn't cost me. So I just encourage you, just not in a, not in a childlike way, just participate with God and, and being generous and see what it does to your soul. And then the second thing I want to say is if you're struggling with poverty of heart, if you're struggling with that, the context of living in lack, I do sermons all the time on the poverty spirit. I'm not going to go into that. But the only way that I've learned to get rid of it, which I've learned from people before me, is to give it away. You have to give away the poverty spirit. Like, literally, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of lack, and I'm going to give something away. Amen? Awesome. I'm going to pray one more time, and then we'll close out. There's going to be a prayer team up here. Uh, if you need prayer for anything at all, you can come up and pray. Next week, I'm going to uh, message on my heart that um, about the responsibility of favor. And uh, I don't think you're going to want to miss that one, but that's going to be good. And then base camp Tuesday night. Awesome. God, we love you so much. You're amazing. Just thank you for what you're doing, God. We are not entitled to any of this. We are thankful for what you've given us. Thankful for the resources you've given us, God. And um, I just pray that we would be people that steward what you've given us well. True religion is this, taking care of widows and orphans, people who don't have a voice. So, God, we just we just pray that our generosity would awaken the conscience of a city that would take care of widows and orphans and people in need. We love you. Be protection over this group. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.